Welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ, where we love to encourage you to build intimacy with Christ. We'll bring you insights and teachings to help you grow in your walk with Jesus, ultimately becoming the strong, godly woman you were created to be. Here's Ashley Pope Todorova. Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Ladies Who Love Christ podcast. Maybe you're tuning in on your favorite podcast platform, or you're watching us on YouTube. We're so grateful to have you. My name is Ashley Pope Todorova. If you're new, I'm the founder of Ladies Who Love Christ Ministries, and we provide these year-round live online multi-platform studies. So we are right now studying the book of Acts, and tonight, if you're just popping in in the middle, our focal passages, if you'd like to do a Bible study on your own, our focal passages are Acts chapter 13, verse 1, all the way through Acts 14, verse 28. So we're so grateful to have you gals joining. To everybody that's watching um, from the Facebook platform again, I see some new gals jumping on. Grateful to have you. So if you're working from the book, there's several things to note here. Number one, if you are new, this is extremely important. Uh, if you are new and you do not have the book, do not let that stop you from participating with us. Uh, we make our studies very flexible and very stress-free. We are focusing in on Acts chapter 13 and 14 tonight. You can dive right in in the middle of our studies, still learn, still grow. So get your Bible, essentially. This is, is long-winded to say, get your Bible, get something to take notes and stay with us for a while and grow in God's word because there's nothing more important that you will ever, ever do. So even if you don't have the book, grab your Bible, grab something to take notes. And again, if you have to jump off early, all of these episodes are uploaded to our podcast and they're also uploaded on our YouTube page. So all you have to do is search Ladies Who Love Christ on your favorite podcast platform or YouTube and you will find just a rich archive of teachings, different interviews, uh, so many, many things to grow in your walk with Christ. So if you are working from the book tonight, I want you to turn to page 67. I wrote it out because it's easier for me to see when I'm teaching live like this. You want to prevent hiccups as much as possible. Uh, but I'm going to be reading from the context section if you are in the book with us. So we're going to start basically in Acts 13, Luke's history of the church focuses mostly on outreach to the Gentiles. And this is tonight, we're going to be talking about Paul's very first missionary journey. And we're going to be talking about some of the um, uh, struggles that, that he ran into on this journey and some of the trials and some of the, the opposition. And there was quite a bit of that. Okay. So we're going to be looking at that a little bit deeper tonight. In Acts chapter 13, you're going to find the spirit selection of Paul and Barnabas to become special men, uh, missionaries. Now, you're going to see a shift as Paul replaces Peter as the central figure. So Peter was the central figure in the first um, uh, 12 chapters of the book of Acts. And then Acts 13 on, you're going to see that central figure being Paul. Paul's entourage. Barnabas and John Mark and more set sail 
Okay, so essentially, this is the very beginning of the their their journey, their missionary journey. They set sail, stopping in Cyprus, where they confront a false prophet named Barjesus. Now, we're going to talk about Barjesus tonight. We're going to talk about what he did. We're going to talk about um, what happened to him as a result of his his actions. We're going to look a lot deeper into that tonight. So. Uh, the mission moves north. I'm trying to bullet this for you gals because I really am trying hard to keep this study within an hour or close to that hour mark so I don't take up too much of your time. Um, so I'm hitting these bullets pretty quickly. Mission, uh, the mission moves north to Perga and John Mark abruptly leaves and returns to Jerusalem and this is for an unknown reason. Paul and Barnabas continue on to Antioch of Pisidia. The initial reaction, gals, to Paul's preaching is favorable, but among the audience are some jealous Jewish leaders. So he has a lot of people that are receptive to his message, to the gospel. They're receptive to this. They are hungry for this. They want to hear. But then there's this, this group of jealous Jewish leaders, and you're going to see the opposition that comes from that. Despite trying to discredit Paul and his message, the Gentiles eagerly embrace the gospel. So Paul, as he set out on this journey, this was not an easy journey. It wasn't an easy journey, um, both in travel, right? Having to sail to these locations and the, the tumultuousness of that. But then it's getting there and preaching this gospel, uh, the gospel, the good news, but this gospel that was so new to everybody. And there's a lot of opposition that came with that too. You're going to see that this further angered the Jewish leaders who incite an angry mob that runs Paul and Barnabas out of town. So he, you know, with all of the, the reception from the Gentiles and their eagerness to hear the gospel, there were trials there. It wasn't a smooth, uh, it wasn't unintended here. It wasn't smooth sailing. It was rocky from the travel to everything that they had to encounter, right? Paul's entire ministry was often opposition from the Jews and joyous acceptance of the gospel by many of the Gentiles. So the Gentiles were hungry for this. They were excited. They wanted to hear the gospel, but he was also met with great opposition from the Jews. Paul displayed joyful perseverance. Now listen to this. In the midst of the trials, in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the journey, in the midst of sharing the gospel and, and trying to, to literally, you know, grow the church in this, in this early time, there was great, great opposition. Paul displayed joyful perseverance, not begrudgingly, not frustrated and angry. And why, why am I over, why am I having to overcome all of this? Why the trials? Why that? So many times when just bringing it to real modern day right here, right now in 2023, real time. Um, so many times we persevere, but we do so frustrated. We do so not with that spirit of joyfulness. Paul displayed joyful perseverance in the face of extreme persecution. And this is a testimony to the Holy Spirit in a person's, in a believer's life. Only the Holy Spirit can give you the strength to joyfully persevere. Only the Holy Spirit could give Paul the strength to go to these new places to proclaim the good news, to share the gospel in the midst of opposition, and to do so joyfully. 
These chapters not only demonstrate God's grace and God's faithfulness, but it also sets the stage for a coming controversy of the presence of the newly converted Gentiles in a previously Jewish church. So you're going to see this shift happen where people are hungry for the good news. They're hungry for the gospel. They're asking for it. They, they want more of it. They can't get enough of it, right? And, and you're going to see this shift where there's a lot of converted Gentiles, right? Um, in, in a previously all Jewish church. And you're going to see a lot of opposition with that. So I breezed right through that. We're going to turn to page 68. If you have the book and you're following along, and we're going to look at keys to the text, okay? Keys to the text. The first key that we're going to look at is Barnabas. Barnabas, his name quite literally means son of encouragement, son of encouragement. Also, Hoseus of Cyprus, he was a member of the priestly tribe of the Levites, and he was a native to the island of Cyprus. The apostles chose the perfect Christian name for Hoseus when they called him Barnabas, son of encouragement. Every appearance of Barnabas in scripture finds him encouraging others in the faith. In fact, he serves as a supreme model for how to mentor young believers. There's so much that we can take from the pages of scripture and how these people persevere during times of true, true trials. Sometimes I think we think that we have trials now. We do. We have trials. We have struggles. We have things that we go through. But they were... These were like trials where people are going after your life. They're going for, for murder. I mean, they, they do not like what you have to say. They don't want the gospel. They don't like the gospel and they're going to oppose it with everything in them. So this service is a great, great model for how to mentor young believers. Numerous churches can trace their beginnings back to the efforts of Barnabas, the encourager. He became a close associate of Paul's and a prominent member of the church. So you're going to see a lot of Barnabas too in these passages. So that was one of the keys to the text. The other is evangelism. To evangelize literally means, gals, you can write this down, to proclaim, if you don't have the book, to proclaim good tidings. It means to proclaim good tidings, to, to proclaim good things. They were coming with the good news. The gospel means the good news. They were coming to the, with the good news and, and, and growing the, the early church. More than any other individual, Paul was responsible for pro proclaiming the good news and spreading Christianity throughout the entire Roman Empire which is so incredible. And amidst, this is huge. Alex and I, I think I, I might've told you this in an earlier session, if you're new, I'll, I'll tell you again, but we went to um, uh, Thessaloniki and we toured like different areas, right? And you see different places where people, it's so just incredible when you see the places where these people went and, and uh, proclaimed the gospel, proclaimed the good news. Paul's method of Jewish evangelism throughout Acts was uh, to prove from the Old Testament that Jesus was the Messiah. This is his method of proving to the Jews. He went to the Old Testament to prove that Christ was the Messiah. Now listen, ladies, I say this, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again. Do not ever think that you can discount the Old Testament from the New Testament. Don't ever think that you can discount the Old Testament from the New Testament. Paul was literally using this 
as a method of evangelism to the Jews. The evangelist was a gift of God to the early church. I want you, if you have your Bibles open, to turn to Ephesians 4.11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And it says, And he himself gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors, and some as teachers. These evangelists were not attached during this time, gals. They were not attached to any one particular church. They were evangelizing. They were spreading good tidings all around. They were not associated with one church. So that's important to know. They traveled over a wide geographical area, preaching to those whom the Holy Spirit led. Now tonight, as we unpack some of these verses together, we're going to look at prayer and fasting we're going to look at the importance of prayer and fasting and what does prayer and fasting do? What does that do in the life of a believer? Why is it important to pray and fast? We're gonna look at some of those, those things and unpack them together, but they listened. The Holy Spirit was leading and they listened. But ladies, let me challenge you. Here and now, right in the present and also then, if you're so busy doing all of the things but you're not slowing down to listen, not to talk, not to act, not to speak, but to listen to the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They were listening. The early disciples were also called evangelists because they simply proclaimed the gospel. They didn't come out, gals, with all of the things. They didn't come out with their own thoughts, their own knowledge. We're going to look at tonight at, at philosophers. We're going to look at philosophers during that time and how they were learned, educated people, but how their education and their wisdom, their self-wisdom, their self-taught wisdom, they looked at that as the means to everything. What we're going to find, ladies, is that Paul went in and he preached the good news, the simple gospel. He didn't add his own thoughts. He didn't add his own wisdom. He went led by the Holy Spirit into this place, prayed up, completely and utterly prayed up, fasted, and he went and he proclaimed the gospel. God does not call every believer to be an evangelist, but he calls every believer to be a witness. Now, I'm going to say that again, because that is very important. As I'm bulleting out these things quite quickly, because I want to get to some of the other meat and questions tonight, as I'm bulleting these out, it's easy to get lost in just listening and not really paying attention. I want you to hear what I just said there, okay, from the book. God does not call every believer to be an evangelist, but he does call every believer to be a witness. Now, we're parking it here because I believe in studying and time, culture, context. Very important. Very, very important. God calls every believer to be a witness, Every vocation and location, wherever he has you placed, your placement, I often talk about your placement, he calls us all to be a witness of Jesus Christ, a witness in the workplace, a witness in the home, a witness when we're out doing what he's called us to do. But much like Paul, when he traveled to this new area with Barnabas to spread the gospel, he had to be completely and utterly prayed up and listening direction, not just fire, ready, aim, and going on your own fortitude. Do you see where we're going here? 
very important. He calls every believer, write it down, highlight it if you have the book. If not, write it down. God calls every believer to be a witness, and he will use you to witness in the most incredible places. And oftentimes, you've heard me, if you've been around the ministry, this is our 50th, 5 50th live online Bible study. Look at God. That's amazing. If you've been around for any minute, you understand that I often say, God, he will use you in places sometimes that you don't necessarily like, but he calls you to be a witness. He calls you to be a witness there. If you are working from the book, if not, don't worry, I'll read the questions to you. I want you to turn to page 74, and we're going to start actually with question number two. Question number two, what happened as a result of uh, the fasting and prayer by the missionaries? What was a result of their fasting and their prayer? And then we're going to turn in the Bible. I prefer you guys, if you, if you participate in our studies, it is my hope that you would open the paper Bible that you would put down distractions and your phones and things that spit back texts and DMs and PMs and chats and emails and all the things. You'd put it down and you would open the Bible with paper because this does not spit back distractions. Turn to ch Acts chapter 13 for the answer, verses two through four. And I'm gonna read that to you gals. Acts 13, verses two through four. And it says, and while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Verse three, then, then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Okay. So they sent them away. That was the action there. And then verse four. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. So they fasted, they prayed, write it down, bullet. I love bullets. Bullet journals are great. Bullet it. They fasted, they prayed, they listened. Okay. Fasted, prayed, listened. There's a lot of, of info for us there. And they were set out. They heard direction and they were set out because they listened. The Holy Spirit prompted them with what they were to do next. This early church was not going to grow apart from the power of the Holy Spirit directing them. So time, culture, context, you're learning about, wow, this is incredible what God did. It's incredible and it's exciting. And also, wow, what can I glean and garner now from those passages? Always ask yourself, girls, write it down. If you're new here, I want you to write this down. If you've never heard it, I want you to write it down. When you're studying, all of God's word teaches you something about Jesus. What does this passage teach me about Jesus? Not what does this passage teach me about me? We often go to God's word. I say this lovingly. We often go to God's word somewhat selfishly looking for what does this teach me about me? When you study God's word, look for what does this teach me about Jesus? Because he is in pages of scripture. You will find him everywhere. 
So anyway, that is the answer gals. They went out, they were directed, they got their direction, they listened, they heard, and they went out. Number three, what is the purpose of fasting and what are the benefits? What is the purpose and what are the benefits of fasting? So first thing is fasting is associated. The whole, the whole concept of fasting, fasting food, fasting, uh, maybe coffee. I've heard of people fasting. Essentially, listen close. Listen, fasting is not saying, oh, I don't really like that thing. So I'm going to fast that thing. No, fasting is fasting something that you tend to go towards every day. Is it nourishment? Is it a food? Is it coffee? I know a lot of people that it's not an easy thing to fast coffee. When you fast, don't give up something easy to fast. You are, you are coming before a holy and a righteous God in fervent prayer. Okay. Fast. Fasting is associated with fervent prayer and either the loss of an appetite quite, you know, fasted. I, my husband uses that a lot. We're in the health and holistic health world. And he often tells people when you do your certain tests and blood work, you do it fasted, loss of appetite, or the intentional decision to concentrate solely on spiritual issues. The intentional decision to concentrate solely on spiritual issues. So fasting and prayer is very important, very important in, in our walk. And it, it doesn't have to be it's something that's intimate, really, between you and the Lord. How often, when you fast, how often you fast, the specifics of it. But the concept is fervent prayer. I'm coming before the Lord. I'm giving up things that are in my way. I'm giving up things that maybe I focus on. I'm giving up something that's not the easiest. I'm going to fast coffee, fast dinner, fast food. Not fast food, but fast nourishment, right? with the intentional decision to concentrate solely on spiritual issues. And that is what this was doing here. They knew they were about to go into a mission field, a mission field. And they knew that they could not go into this mission field apart from Christ. They knew that they could not go apart from direction. Gals, pausing on the actual verse by verse and bringing it to 2023. So many times we just fire ready aim and we go at things with our own strength. We don't really seek the Lord in fasting and prayer. We don't seek his, his, his guidance. We don't seek his direction. We just fire off and we do what we want to do, how we want to do it. And then we just wait and expect the Lord to bless it. Listen to me here. That is not how we as ladies who love Christ can approach our lives. We must recognize that God is holy and he's righteous. And he gives us the ability to come to the throne. At any moment, we can go to the throne in prayer. At any moment, we can go before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? And we can seek direction for the things in our life. We can seek his guidance and not ours. Essentially, this time of fasting probably refers to an appointed day of prayer. So when they were fasting and when they were um, doing this, it, it likely did, it was associated with an appointed day of prayer. The first formal mission to the Gentiles was an important event in the church, and they engaged in this with deep reverence and humbling themselves before God. 
this was, this was, this was reverential. They were going to spread the good news. God was going to, to grow this church. And these are the men that he was going to use. So they knew this is something that we are not to approach on our own strength, but we are to approach fasted and prayer, asking for the Lord's guidance. Ladies, there's something there for all of us tonight. There's something there for all of us tonight. They prayed essentially, simplistically. I love simple, simple, simple. They prayed because the mission of reaching the Gentiles was a big deal. This mission of reaching the Gentiles was a big deal. And then, as I was speaking about earlier, this mission field, this first mission field with Paul and his entourage, it was a new event that was full of danger, full of danger and hardship, hardship in the travel and hardship when you get there and you're proclaiming the gospel, the good news amidst people that do not accept that and they want you gone. There was a, a, a danger. The primitive church knew they needed divine, divine direction. Write that. The primitive church knew that they needed divine direction. They knew who they were going to get their strength from. They knew who they were going to get their direction from. Gals, when you simplify all of this, there's power in prayer. There's power in saying, I'm not going to go to all the people parking it. I always say, pulling over on the side of the road. I'm not going to go to all the people with my issues and my concerns and ask them, what do they think I should do? Before I go to a holy and righteous God and say, I get to come directly to the throne and Lord, direct my steps. What is your will? Because you're never in a more perfect place than when you are in step with God's will for your life. And if you want to know God's will, what do I always teach you guys? You know his word. And you know the importance of coming before him in prayer. There's power in prayer and removing distractions. That's the concept of fasting. That's the concept of fasting. Removing distractions so that we can seek the Lord. That's not optional. That wasn't optional to Paul and to Barnabas and to his team as they approached this, this time and this era and this this mission field, it wasn't optional and it is not optional to us now. It's, it's, it's essential. It's why I chose to do this study. It's why I chose to do the book of Acts this time. We'll announce our next study coming soon. It's why, because right now is our mission field. Right here, right now. This is our mission field. We're not all called to evangelize, remember that, but we are all called to be a witness. How amazing is that? That God, God wants us to, to be a witness for him, for Christ, wherever you are, vocation, location, write it down. Vocation, location, placement. I told you I'm a bulleter. Number four, if you're working from the book, I'm going to try to kind of take you through all of this. I'm going to read the passages to you first. I'm going to read the passages to you first. And then we're going to break it down, peel them apart, dissect them, study them together. Okay? We do not slapstick scripture at Ladies Who Love Christ. We don't cherry pick and we don't read the word of God looking for what we can learn about us. 
We need to read the word of God so that we can know Jesus, know his word. Number four, what happened when Paul and Barnabas encountered Bar Jesus? If you will, turn to Acts chapter 13, verses six through, did I mark it? I didn't mark it. Verses six through 12, I believe. I'm working off memory. Hold on. Give me one second, please. Okay. Here we go. What happened when Paul and Barnabas encountered Bar Jesus? We're going to read it. And when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, okay? So they went through the island, they get to Paphos, it's a city on the island. They found a magician, a Jewish false prophet, prophet whose name was Bar Jesus, verse seven, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. That's important. The man summoned Bar Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So they get there and he seeks to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, okay, this is the sorcerer, some versions say the sorcerer, Elymas, or Elymas, the sorcerer, that was Elymas's Barchesis, it was translated, the sorcerer. But Elymas, the magician, for his, so his name was translated, was opposing them. He was opposing them sharing with the proconsul, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who, had also known, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, because he was prayed up and ready, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him in verse 10 and said, you are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease to make crooked and the straight ways of the Lord? Verse 11. Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. So Bar Jesus was blinded for his, his actions in this moment. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. And then verse 12, listen. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So they go in. Here's Bar Jesus, Elymas, the sorcerer. Okay. He sees they're going to go to this proconsul who is an intelligent man, a wise man, a learned man, essentially a, um, what are they, uh, I'm drawing a blank here, um, wise, smart, knowledgeable, okay? And this man asked to hear the gospel. Well, proconsuls were in a place of leadership then, gals. They were in a place of leadership. So they, they looked at their knowledge and their intelligence as they would take knowledge and intelligence for anyone, from anyone. So the proconsul wasn't going and saying, teach me the gospel because I want to hear the word of the Lord. It wasn't necessarily that he really wanted to hear the word of the Lord. It was more, he was probably a little curious about this gospel that Paul was proclaiming, okay? And he just took knowledge from anyone and everyone who was willing to sit down and, and give him um, some, some of their, their knowledge, what they knew. Sergius Paulus, the proconsul, likely had large, sorry, I had to find my place in the notes. 
likely had large liberal views and he was willing to hear from any source. Gals, that's so important at this time. He entertained the Jews and he was also willing to listen to Barnabas and Saul. So Paul, being prayed up and filled with the Holy Spirit, was going to proclaim the gospel to him. But the sorcerer tried to dissuade him and turn him from the faith. And as a result, you saw that he became blind. Philosopher. Philosopher. That is the word I drew a blank on. Sergius Paulus was a philosopher, so he was trying to get knowledge from anyone and everyone. It was a professed characteristic of many ancient philosophers to be willing to receive instruction from anyone. There was no evidence that he wished to listen to this divine truth, okay? He sought to turn Sergius Paulus away because he was worried about the influence that they would have. He was worried about the influence that Paul was going to have. Do you not think the Jews at that time were worried about the influence of the gospel, the influence of Paul during this time? He was worried about that. He was an imposter, and he was worried that his power would end. Bar-Jesus was an imposter. He was a sorcerer. He was literally, quite literally, a liar. If you define it, it's, it's a liar. And he opposed the gospel because he had himself as his only concern. He was concerned about how people would see him if he was revealed, if this truth was revealed. His own interests led him to oppose the gospel. For Jesus had his own interests, selfish, and it led him to oppose the gospel. His popularity was at stake. We're going here. We're going somewhere with this. His popularity was at stake. So he wanted to, in turn, turn away the proconsul, a leader in this society, and make sure that there was no influence from Paul to actually share the good news with him. I want you to write this down because this is where we're going. Write it down. This is the good stuff. The love of popularity and power. The love of popularity and power. The desire of retaining some political influence. We're seeing this a lot now. The desire of retaining some political influence is often a strong reason why men oppose the gospel. It is a strong reason why men oppose the gospel. Popularity, power, and political influence. And you are seeing this now in increasing, increasing measures. Verse 10 and 11, you see that he is blinded as a result. Of his, diso of, of his actions, I should say. And then verse 12, you see the proconsul become a believer. Why? Read it. Don't miss it. It's a really important, sometimes it's the little words. Then the proconsul believed when he saw, when he witnessed with his eyes what had happened, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. That's pretty amazing. So Paul was evangelizing. We're not all called to be evangelists. I'm going to say it again. You're going to know it by the end, but we're all called to be a witness. And because of their obedience, because of them praying and fasting up and going and being led by the Holy Spirit, because of them going into this place and, and Sergius Paul is seeing this take place, he became a believer. We can be a witness like that too, ladies. People are watching us. Listen, people are watching us, parking it, bringing it to 2023. 
People are watching what you do. They're watching what you stand in agreement with. They're watching, are you really proclaiming the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Lessons from that, lessons from that passage, never, diso never disobey God. It won't end well. Never disobey God. It won't end well. Never disobey God to please man. Going somewhere here because it's not going to end well. Never, never disobey God. Never walk in disobedience to a holy and a righteous God to please man. Power, power, and political influence and popularity are what keep people from the gospel. You are set apart. As you follow Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Messiah, meaning anointed one, the anointed one, as you follow him, you are set apart. And we're all called to be witnesses. So you will face opposition. That's where we're going, bringing it modern day. You will face opposition. You will face times where you have to step out in obedience to God, and you will have to turn from the things that people around you are calling you to stand in agreement with. We cannot, no matter how much it's forced by government, now I'm going somewhere here, no matter how much it's forced by government, no matter how much it's forced by people, no matter how many ideologies are shoved down our throats every single day as believers, we cannot disobey God and his word because we follow the king. You make a choice. God goes before you gals, you make a choice. And right here, right now in 2023, it is only a matter of time before you will have to make that choice that you can no longer hide and skirt and try to please both sides. You cannot please God and please man. You cannot please God and please man. Last time, make sure you hear it. Make sure you're awake. You cannot please God and please man. You have to choose this day whom you will serve like Joshua said. I will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We never disobey God. That's one lesson. The second lesson is never think that you can thwart God's plans. Never think that you can thwart God's plans. No matter, like Sergius Paulus, he was so learned and wise. He was a philosopher taking knowledge from anyone and everyone who would give him knowledge. Anybody, right? Never, never be wise in your own eyes. You can never thwart the plans of our holy and righteous God. That's another lesson for you. You can never thwart his plans. You have to choose whom you're going to serve. Today in this world, we can speak the truth and we're moving on to number five and I'm doing great on time. I'm gonna have you gals wrapped up on time. I'm getting better and better at this every week. But you have to choose. You have to speak the truth in love, but you have to choose. Are you gonna follow this world? Are you gonna follow Jesus Christ? And there is power in prayer. As you approach your days, as you approach each upcoming day, as you approach each opportunity to minister and witness, because again, we're not all evangelists, but we are all witnesses. When you're called to have those opportunities to witness to a lost and a dying world, you're going to go into it bathed up in prayer because you know that you'll never be able to go on your own strength and fortitude, that you can only go with the king leading you. 
and never make light of prayer. Never make light of being able to come directly to the throne and say, Lord, I want your best for my life. I want your will. I want to minister. And I want in my vocation and location and my placement, I want to glorify your name. There is no greater call on your life. None of this is in the notes, not a thing. There is no greater call on your life than to witness for Jesus Christ, than to, to be a witness of what he has done in your life. It's exciting. It is so exciting. Acts chapter 13, verses 16 through 41, Paul preached a message about justification and, and how, uh, how did this square essentially with the typical Jews at that time and their understanding of salvation. And the question in number five is, what were his closing words about justification? And we're going to look at exactly what that is. If you've never heard the word justification, I want you to turn in the Bible to Acts chapter 13, and we're going to look at verses 38 and 39. I'm going to read it to you. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through him, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Verse 39, and that in him. Everyone who believes is justified from all things which you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. The Jews at this time, especially, were really, especially as Paul was trying to proclaim the gospel and the good news in this first missionary journey, they were adhering to the law. It was all about the law, right? So what does this teach us about justification? What is Paul saying in these verses? Number one is to justify is, is to declare righteous. It's an act of God where he proclaims a sinner to be righteous because of the sinner's faith in Christ. That is a gift. When you accept Christ, that justification, that on the spot, he pronounces a sinner to be righteous because of the sinner's faith in Christ. Let me find my place in my notes. Give me one moment. Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter three. Romans chapter three, let me get there myself. I have all my books, all my notes, everything all over the place. Romans chapter three, verses 21 through 26, it says, but now, listen close, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, verse 22, and even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, all have sinned. I was talking, I was at a friend's house today for a brief moment, and I was talking to her about that very thing. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Verse 24, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. 
Verse 25, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith for a demonstration of his righteousness because of the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins that were previously committed. It's literally Christ's righteousness imputed to us. This goes against everything that, that they believed. Verse 26, for the demonstration of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The one who has faith in Jesus. I want to read four simple points about justification to you. They're not in the book, so I want you to write them down, please. Justification comes apart from the law. We can't earn it. You can't earn it through keeping rules. You can't earn justification through works, through your good works. It comes apart from the law. That was diametrically opposed to what the Jews were acting and believing in. There's nothing, there's nothing. I just have to place my faith in Jesus, right? Number two, justification is made possible in the sacrificial death of Christ. It's based on the shed blood of Christ. When God looks at us in our filthy rags and our filthy sins and the filthy things that we do, when he looks at this sinful world and man, when you place your faith in Christ, he sees, he sees Christ because of the blood of Christ. That's why it's so important that you take communion to remember the body and the blood, to remember what he did, that you never make light of the cross, that you never make light of the blood shed of Jesus. It is made possible by the sacrificial death of Christ. Life, death, and resurrection, justification, number three, is free and gracious. It's a free and gracious gift of God. That was totally diametrically opposed to having to, to work and adhere to the law. It is a free and gracious gift of God bestowed on those who receive the faith, by faith, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Number four, justification demonstrates the righteousness of God. It demonstrates the righteousness of God. I want you to turn in your Bibles again. I just read it, but I'm going to read it again. For all have sinned and fallen short, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But you are justified when you place your faith in Christ. And you say, there's nothing I can do. It is a free gift of grace. Charis, favor. Charis in the Greek, C-H-A-R-I-S, meaning favor. It is a free gift of grace by God. It is his favor that he doesn't see me in my sins and my poor decisions. And we've all sinned and fallen short. It's real easy to get caught up and think that you haven't, but don't you forget that not one not one, but Christ and Christ alone walks this earth and has walked this earth sinless and blameless. Christ and Christ alone, we all fall short. Turn to John 3, 
36, John 3, chapter 36. And I want you to cultivate the habit of flipping. I want you to cultivate the habit of going to God's word, flipping, finding out where books are, opening his word. It doesn't spit back distractions. That is so important. It's so basic, but so important. We trip up on the basic things. I want you to have your Bibles open, your distractions set aside when you come to Ladies Who Love Christ for our studies. Verse 3. I'm sorry, chapter three, verse 36 of John. He who believes in the son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. But the wrath of God abides in him. It is the restoration to God's favor, essentially, which was lost due to our sin. It is the restoration through Christ of God's favor. That's amazing. When you wake up on a day that you don't think you have anything to be grateful for, when you wake up on a day that's hard, when you're thinking about hard things, and and we all have them, we all have those days, you can think, you know what, God, because of Christ, because of what Christ did for me on that cross and his bloodshed, God literally has imputed his righteousness to me when I am nothing but a sinner. Grace, unmerited grace. Justification is more than acquittal. It is full acceptance. We are now friends of God. We are now friends of God. I want you to turn to Romans 8, chapter 17. Turn to Romans 8, chapter 17. I'm actually going to read verse 16 and 17. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 16 and verse 17. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we did suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. The imputation of righteousness, which is the reckoning of Christ's righteousness to our account. I've had it taught before to me. It is justice if I'd never sinned. God is that good. God is so good. That is something to celebrate and something to be grateful, grateful for. We are justified at the moment of salvation. We are justified, declared righteous at the moment of our salvation. Jesus Christ finished the work required for our justification on the cross. That is why the cross is so offensive to so many. Because you can't work your way to what Christ did. You can't work your way. It doesn't matter how many accolades. It doesn't matter how many credentials. It doesn't matter how many letters are behind your name. It doesn't matter. There's nothing you can do but accept and call on the precious, holy, righteous, amazing name of Jesus Christ. And that is a message that even now in 2023, our world rejects. Because God justifies us by grace, by favor, through faith in Christ, we can now have peace with God. We can now have peace with God. Do you know this peace? It's not in my notes. 
Do you know this peace that the world is looking for? Do you know this peace that the world wants? Do you know this peace that, that the world is searching for? You're seeing the depravity literally spread like wildfire, wildfire by the second, by the second, day by day. You're seeing new ideologies that are just being taken on as truth. You're seeing these things and you're seeing people cry out. You're seeing people who, who are looking for hope. They're looking for an answer. Sweet ladies who love Christ, this is your mission field. We are called to go out and be witnesses of Jesus Christ. We are called to take the example of Paul who during that very hard, dangerous time went and proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ and it was a dangerous, rocky road. We now know that peace. That peace is Christ. Write it down. Write it down. Put it in your Bible. The peace that I am searching for, the peace that this world is searching for is Christ. It is Jesus Christ. It is not making light of prayer or your time in his word. It is not making light of those things. And in a world full of people who need this peace, the only peace we know, we have the only answer, and it is Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That, that ought to change the way that you live. It ought to change the way that you look at the things that you do all the way down to your placement. And we say, maybe you're sitting in a cubicle that you can't stand and you're sitting next to people that maybe you don't particularly like. There is nothing that is outside of God's control in your life. And he has you where he has you for a reason. We are to not judge those around us, but we are to be witnesses of Christ and Christ alone. Christ and Christ alone, the simple gospel, the simple good news. You don't have to add to it. You never add to it. You don't have to add anything. You don't have to be like the philosophers back in, in this day where they wanted to add all of their knowledge and all of their wisdom. It is the simple gospel of Jesus Christ that saves. The simple gospel. You be a witness. Let me find my page, my spot. <laughs> Give me a second. And we're ending. Okay, I'm way off. Hold on. I want you to turn to page 76, if you have the book. Conflict will often occur when the true gospel is preached today. I'm going to say that in case you're asleep on the other side of the screen. Conflict will often occur if the true gospel is preached today or when the true gospel is preached. You're going to see conflict. Cannot please God and please me. You have to make your choice. Somebody is watching right now on this study, be it on Zoom or Facebook. You have to make a choice. Who will you serve? You will never be able to please God and please man. The gospel does not gather everyone together, nor is it generally tolerable an opinion that non-believers can take or leave. Instead, listen to this. It splits people. It's the opposite. It divides the penitent from the hard-hearted, okay? And the saved from the unsaved, the righteous from the reprobate, those who love its truth from those who, who reject it. There's a lot of voices in our conclusion, and it is 727. I don't think I've ever done that before. 
there are a lot of voices that speak into our lives. I see people that don't find time for the word of God, but they find time to waste four hours watching reels or Instagram or TikTok. Ladies, it is time to realize that this is our mission field. Put down the distractions, put down the devices, pick up your Bibles, get fasted and prayed up. Fast, dedicate some time to fasting. This is what's convicting to me too, and fasting. And fasting more. Fast, get prayed up. Ask God what he has for you and for that direction. Study his word and recognize that the cross is offensive and the gospel is offensive. It does divide, but you have to choose. Are you going to please man or are you going to please a holy and a righteous God? I and my home and my marriage and my husband, we are, we are living for Jesus to please him. And we fail all the time. We make mistakes. We're, we, we sin. We fall short all the time. Don't ever look at someone who teaches and think, well, they have it all together. I need this message as much as you need this message. But one thing I know in my heart of hearts is I know who I serve. I know what I'm here for. I am not swaying. I am not moving until I take my last breath. I am here to serve Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that is my prayer for you. That is my prayer as, as a, a ministry leader. It is why I show up with Heather week in and week out. Because I want you girls to understand that you have such a purpose on your life. And it is to proclaim his holy name. And it is a truth that the enemy will fight you with everything in him. He will fight you to keep you from that truth. Let's go ahead and come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you did today. I thank you, Lord, that you helped me to wrap up on time. That never happens. You're so good, Heavenly Father, and I am so grateful as I teach, and I teach through John MacArthur's Acts and, and share some of my own thoughts, Lord. I thank you for what, I thank you for what you did through, through Jesus Christ, through that sacrificial gift, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, through his willingness to set his face like flint and go to the cross, that gruesome gruesome death to take on the sins of the entire world and that 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 imputed righteousness of Christ when I accepted and when these women accepted Jesus Lord what a gift of grace and kindness and mercy let us all literally in this study tonight and come before you in prayer about where you want us, what direction you want us to go, where you want to use us, how you want to use us. Lord, let us seek you. Let us seek you, not the world, not the distractions, not all of the many voices. Let us seek you. To know your will is to know your word. Lord, we all want to know you better. I want to know you better and better and better. Heavenly Father, until I see you face to face, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity that is not lost on me to sit here and to do the most beautiful thing, to be able to share your word with these girls and women and ladies. It is such a blessing, Lord. You are so holy. You are so righteous. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you're going to do in their lives as they go out 
and they really get their focus right. It is in Jesus' beautiful and precious and holy, holy name I pray. Amen. Okay, gals, thank you for joining us. If you're listening on the podcast, make sure you go to ladieswholovechrist.com. Find us on all major podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button. Find us on YouTube. You can tell I have that down. Have a great evening.